Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hello again. It is Crew Call here on the Motor Racing Network, taking you inside of the garage area and talking to all the folks to make the cars go around. We are so glad you joined us. I'm Steve Post, pit road reporter for Motor Racing Network, joined as I am each and every week by 25-time and championship-winning crew chief Todd Gordon. Hello, Todd. How are you? I'm doing great. Doing great. Good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Las Vegas. Yeah. Lost wages. Yes, exactly. We'll, we'll hear all the stories now when we get to Phoenix this week about uh, per diems gone awash and, uh, and, yeah. and who and which teams minimize the time in Vegas, which teams maximize the time in Vegas and uh, as we roll along through the West Coast swing. But just broad surface, William Byron, Rudy Fugel getting the win. Just kind of what was your, uh, what was your take on the Cup Series race out at Las Vegas? Hendrick, Hendrick Motorsports <laughs> hit it out of the park. Uh, yeah. You look at it, and obviously Chase Elliott with his injury, uh, hopefully the recovery continues there. But, uh, you know, the Hendrick cars, I thought, were in a class of their own. And, and um, you know, you looked at the 24, led so many laps. The five car was right there with yeah. him. Um, and Alex Bowman in the 48, he battled his way back to a top three finish, and I felt like had pretty good pace most of the day. Uh, really aggressive move on that last restart. Uh, put himself, stuffed himself three wide in the middle, got him in a p- good position. But, uh, um, definitely Hendrick Motorsports hit it this weekend. I felt like the, I felt like the, the Joe Gibbs Toyotas made a step. I thought mm-hmm. like the 11 and, and 19 were probably the next two best, probably the 19 I thought was the next yeah. best car beyond, uh, beyond those three Hendrick cars. But, uh, um, you know, and cool to see James Small make a gamble there in Vegas, yeah. which, which I think was the right call when you look at it. He'd raced around the five and the 24 all day. He wasn't going to beat him heads up. Right. And he knew that he got beat by them last year with the 48 take making a two tire call yeah. against his four. Yeah. So when you look at this as you're sitting there as James Small in the box, I think he made the call. He knew the Hendrick cars would come for two. If he's going to be more aggressive than them, he's going to stay out. And if he had one or two guys from 10th on back, there were 18 cars only left. Yeah. If he had one, I mean, one would give him a fighting chance. Right. Two gives him a really good chance right. of winning that race. And, and even with that call, he, uh, I mean, they were second still off a of turn two, uh, got a yeah. little tight and, and, and messed yeah. up on the, on, the, on the final lap. Right. Uh, shuffled back to seventh, but a great gamble. Why? Okay. Uh, my question on that one is here. I understand you're the leader. You're a sitting duck. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Cliff Daniels, Kyle Larson, we kind of know what they need to do. And we kind of know those other cars that are even up. To me, it's like if you're 11th through 18th, I, I, why are you? Uh, why why are hasn't you somebody gambled? Up? Yeah, because I mean, all you got to do is make one lap and a hundred feet, and a caution comes out, and you're in a great spot. Precisely. I mean, it's it's the gamble, right? And that's the part when I looked at it from James Small's yeah. viewpoint. I, I'm I'm all in on that call, and still am today. I'm I'm a huge supporter of. of I think he made the right call. Yeah. Did it work out? No, but all he needed. I was surprised that somebody like Kyle Busch didn't stay out. See, that was somebody really- that Christopher Bell didn't didn't end up. You know, mm-hmm. from. Where was he? Now, he had a great run forward on, on two tires there with, with good lane choices, but he was back about 13th, I think it was, yeah. before that. I was surprised to not see them, or, or even you know from a teammate standpoint, 
Mm-hmm. If you put both of you up there, you cover both lanes. Yeah, you got I just row, yeah. I was surprised. I, I would have thought that James's move would have paid off with other guys in right. the back half. You know, from you, 10th on back, somebody's saying, I'm going to cycle myself yeah, forward. Here we go. And you put William, you put William starting fourth. That's yes. a whole different, that is a whole different race. And again, you only need to make it to the white flag, past the white flag. You could you could a caution at that and point. We we had a spin on the backstretch on the on the second um, lap. Yeah. We didn't throw the caution for it, but uh, it, it could have very well come out at that point. So yeah. it's a gamble, and it's a it's a calculated gamble because yeah. he wasn't going to beat him straight up. He he tried all day. There'd been yeah. two hundred and sixty laps of trying <laughs> to do that, and it didn't yeah. work. So yeah, doing just, something different. I thought I'm, was a good call. I'm, I'm, I appreciate that because I really am. I'm like I'm sitting there, and if you're 14th, you're you're not going to win the battle off from pit road. Yep. You're, you're, I mean, it's like, what, what, you know, I don't know. It's so, so, so let's look at it. Cause I, I, I kind of went through this, but yeah. Christopher Bell was 13th. Okay. Yeah. Austin Sindrick was 14th. Right. Now those two had phenomenal restarts and ended up fifth and sixth. If they stay out, where do they end up? Probably right there around. Same. Yeah. Like, like they had a great yeah. restart and got back to where they may have been if they'd stayed out. Right. I just, yeah. it's tough at times to make those calls, but. I like the I like the call like James, the James made. Small call, yeah. I, I thought other people would do it. With yeah, him. that's cool. That is good stuff. Couple of teams that are off to pretty good starts. Uh, last week we had Blake Harris on Alex mm-hmm. Bowman, three top ten finishes to yes. start the season. Really, really solid. And I agree. It was it was kind of like scrappy at the end of it. Scrapped uh, and the, from the driver's perspective, uh, good race cars. We know it was a Hendrick Chevy at that. But but I really like what I'm seeing out of that team. That that, that we're three weeks in, but very very solid across the board. Yeah yeah, I thought I think they've had great finishes and uh, you know, worked their way through situations when they've not been just driving out front. Uh, but definitely uh, that last last restart started third row on the inside. Uh, got past the start finish line and and kind of put Kyle <laughs> yeah. put Kyle you know he shoved it to the middle to to kind of stuff some air on on Kyle Larson and I think it pulled him back right. uh, from from competing with it as well after Kyle had pushed the the, the nineteen out so um, yeah yeah I mean the, they've done a great job I think Blake did a great job last year with Michael McDowell yep. and uh, he's he's integrated well into this forty eight team. Also with three top 10 finishes, uh, Travis Mack and Daniel Suarez. Um, again, I think we talked about this last week. Uh, was Trackhouse a one-year wonder, or is this speed going to be uh, contained across the board? Uh, it appears to me it's the latter on that. Uh, Daniel Suarez doing a real nice, solid job. And I think, I, I don't know necessarily the numbers, but while Ross was getting all the headlines early last year, Daniel was doing about the same thing. He was always in the picture. Seems like they're off to a really good start as well. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm a pretty good Suarez fan. Yeah. Uh, and I felt like through the middle of summer, I thought the 99 car was the best track house car. Um, you know, Ross obviously had the wins. Ross's first win, Daniel dominated. The Coda race, yeah. Daniel yeah, dominated Daniel was race, like yeah. the best car there, yeah. and, and, and he got caught up because he stayed out right. for a stage win. And got shuffled to the back. He got caught up in a wreck and coming back through. So um, they've had good speed. Yeah, they have. They've had good speed right along. I would put them this weekend as the next group beyond the 19. Right. You know, the, right the, in that the, next the, tier, the, yeah. the one, the 99 were both there. Uh, and both, really, their finish wasn't indicative of where they ran. I felt like Daniel was probably a top five car and got yeah, shuffled, shuffled back, back on that yeah. last restart as well. Absolutely. Going a little deeper into the field, stacking pennies. Corey LaJoy. Yeah. Top twenties, all three, three top twenty finishes. We, the, man, when you're in that spot, that is a great start to the season. Yeah, yeah, it's building on what you can. It's 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 making the steps, right? Yeah, 
you don't climb Mount Everest in one step. Right. You, you've got to walk yourself to the bottom and, and start making the steps yeah. up. And, you know, to, to three solid top 20 finishes yep. and just hammering out the days that, that they can put together a, a really good effort for those guys and, and something to continue to build momentum forward and see what they can do at Phoenix here. But we've got well, Atlanta coming Atlanta right behind coming. this. Yep. So, I mean, a great start to the season and, and a lot of opportunity to build momentum for this I just I really like I, I just Corey is just grinding it out as a driver he has become a he he is if if he has a 17th place car he's going to get a 17th place finish and not bring it back on a record trying to get fifth yeah yeah now he's become really really good at at learning where he's at on that team obviously Ryan Sparks they're they're, they're doing well so yeah fun stuff across the board that's the beauty of NASCAR racing and looking a little bit deeper into it some really neat stuff yeah, yeah, it's sure. a it's a great year and, and great move forward. Our guest today is one of those. It's oh, making gosh. the most of what they've got, right? No doubt about it. Uh, we're going to double back a couple of weeks. Mike Kelly, Daytona 500 winning crew chief, one of the really good guys in the sport. Um, long history in the sport. I think 26 years now. Been working in the sport, grinding it out. Got that first career win a couple of weeks back. We didn't catch up with him after that. He was busy being a rock star. Uh, we waited. We come back a few weeks, and we'll do that. We'll talk to Mike Kelly here in just a moment on Crew Call. Stay with us, everyone. The NASCAR season is here, and Toyota Racing is looking for clashers. Did you clash at the Coliseum with your favorite Toyota drivers? Clashing with the HOA who won't let you carve bell number 20 into your lawn. Or maybe your Tyler Reddick shirt clashed with your pants while meeting the in-laws. If you're a clasher, then we want you. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Crew call rolling along here on the Motor Racing Network, and let's bring him in. He is the Daytona 500 championship winning crew chief. Uh, good to catch up with him after a few weeks. Mike Kelly joins us. Hello, Mike. How are you? I'm doing great. It's uh, bright and early out here on the West Coast, and uh, exci- excited to be uh, getting the week going and getting ready for Phoenix. Well, no doubt about it. We'll, we'll talk about Phoenix a little bit, maybe about Vegas, but uh, a couple weeks removed. Daytona 500 championship crew chief, uh, Mike. What's what's it been like over the last few weeks? Uh, it's it, it's a lot of things. It's it's a lot of emotions. It's a lot of seeing a lot of people reach dreams that that you often wonder whether you ever will. Um, it's a lot of work, um, but that's okay. It's uh, you know, a bit a, your schedule is busy enough in this sport, and then it just gets busier with that. Man, we've ate really well for a couple weeks. <laughs> A lot of people in the industry provided us lunches and breakfasts, and um, and there's some things, obstacles that that come with it. That's that's okay, you know. I, I'm not complaining, but you, a single car team losing a car to Daytona USA, and not being thought about uh, at a time when you have car shortages, um, that that made for some interesting days and nights trying to get parts and pieces and from vendors and get ourselves back on track with cars. But all in all, I wouldn't trade it for the world. 
Um, I wouldn't trade it for what I saw my guys get to see. Um, I was fortunate enough to win one 20 some years ago and, and kind of have to hide the emotions of it because I was on the car that Michael Waltrip was driving when Dale died and, and we really never got to celebrate. So finally getting to celebrate that, uh, that win meant a lot. So you talk about it. So will, will the car that you're trying to put together to replace the one that's submitted down at Daytona, do you build a new Atlanta car? Is that how it works out or or where does the logistics of that end up? Yeah. So obviously, you know, as the schedule was laid out, our Daytona 500 car was, was hopefully going to be our date, our Atlanta car. And, um, at the time we only had, we, we would have had five cars complete. Uh, two were going to Las Vegas and Fontana and two were going to Phoenix. So we really had nothing, um, to, to start to prepare for an Atlanta car. And we reached out to NASCAR and, and all the vendors and said, Hey, look, we're, we're in, this is tight now. We, we really need some help here getting parts and pieces. So, uh, NASCAR helped out. They, they were able to find us a chassis, a center section and, but it's the little things, right? It's seats and leg boards that, that don't get made overnight and a lot of details and wiring harnesses and stuff. So it's, it's a lot of work. Um, a lot of things we just didn't think about. And I think, Talking with Brad Moran and Brandon Thomas and those guys, I think they're better understanding now what what it possibly means to a, a single car team just because we don't have a teammate to borrow stuff from. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and you, did, did, does this change your travel plans for the West Coast swing and trying to get your guys back to help kind of alleviate yeah. the stress? Because yeah, it, the, it does. The right? shop you know, crew can't build it by themselves, right? No, that's and and that's that's the tough part of a small. 40 person team, right. Is when we go on the road, our, our shop guys are there, but there's just not as many. So when you add in unscheduled building of another car, um, it is, we, we had to make sure we had all our guys back Our truck drivers are having, they're, they're, they're pushing everything they can to get cars back so we can get them turned around and, uh, and, and, and be ready for Atlanta. Well, I'll tell you what's fascinating. I hadn't thought about that from the single car perspective. Really, truly is. Um, really amazing for sure. Mike, when you look at it, you and I had a really neat visit, uh, brief brief visit at Auto Club Speedway uh, before the race on Sunday morning. And you talked about you guys came into the season with goals, specifications, what you were going to do. And yes, to a degree, the Daytona 500 totally upset the apple cart. But getting back refocused, getting back rezoned in on the 47 car, where you're at in the pecking order and everything. Has 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 that been a challenge too with 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 the success you guys have had? Not not really, right? So winning the Daytona 500 just kind of gave us a an ace in our pocket. Not it. I immediately told Ricky and all our guys, look, we still have to we have to earn respect to be able to beat. Like we're gonna if we end up in the chase, we don't we just just don't want to be one and done. And we have to earn the respect and earn our way to be competitive in that chase. And we set goals during the winter that, and we, we have to average 20 points a weekend, right? That's, that's realistic. That's what we need to go. That we're, we want to race somewhere between that 10th and 15th range, be competitive in there. And then that will, that will, that will give us the things we need. What that means is we're not wrecking race cars. We're finishing the races We're our pit crews are getting better. Our, our sim stuff is working. So all that, even though we won the race, we still have to do those things. So going into Fontana, we, we met all those goals, right? We, we, and we actually ran inside the top of 10 a lot of the day. We, 
ended up finishing 12. We scored the points and we felt competitive. We went to Las Vegas and, and we did it. We, we were slower than we, than we expected to be our car balance. Now we qualified better than we had. And that was another big thing. We really put a lot of emphasis on during the off season was I think we had like an average starting spot last year, 24, 25th, 26th. And there was a lot of times it was that far back. And that just, that just throws your whole weekend off picking pits and, and you're never getting stage points. Um, so we did qualify better at Vegas and we, we had a really long, lengthy, good debrief this morning. Um, understanding why we, why we struggled as much as we did. Um, and that, that's the biggest thing for us is just getting, getting our feet on the ground and having a good foundation at these tracks to understand what we need. Yeah. And you talk about it from Las Vegas. I think, uh, I think your technical alliance partners made the rest of the show look really bad. <laughs> you know, the Hendrick cars were really good there. Many people struggled. It didn't seem like there was much in the field that, that didn't have a struggle at, at, at Vegas. Why, why do we find that that racetrack at this point became such a challenge for so many teams? You know, I, I don't know, Todd. And, and one of the interesting things we highlighted in our meeting was so our, our first segment average lap time speed was 29th at Vegas. Our second segment, we were 21st. And our third segment, we were 16th. So we made our car better. And Ricky, Ricky didn't under, Ricky would have bet against that, that we were actually even as fat. We could see on track we had made some gains. But Ricky's like, that's, that's just how competitive this field is right now, that you can be off just a little bit. And it's not, it's not like we came in and changed four shocks and springs. We're, we're making small adjustments and uh, you can be off, be off just a little bit. And it, it just, it just really kills you, especially at a race when a couple guys nail it and there's no cautions, right? You're not getting to work on your car. Um, we saw like, it's easy for us to be upset and, and want to bow our heads down. But Kyle Bush dominated that race the week before. I watched Joey Logano run up front the week before the three car ran up front the week before. And I think the three car finished 30 something. And I, I watched Joey fall like a rock at the beginning of that race. So it's, it's, it's not just the little teams that miss it. Sometimes, you know, the big guys do too. And I, I just, just trying to understand why, why the grip wasn't there in the front of the car that we needed this week was our, that was our biggest since, since we left Las Vegas Sunday night, we've been working on it seemed like there were a lot of people that talked about the wind effects at, at Vegas as well. Uh, anything that you took out of, out of that? Yeah, we, so we could look at, we obviously looked at what that did. I, I don't think that had a big bearing on our particular car. Our, our car had a, we had some, uh, just some mechanical things that were different in our car that obviously we do have an alliance with the three cars that wiped the field out. <laughs> um, so, so, that that does bear some fruit for us that we can say, hey, we we the DIL kind of drove us in a little different direction than it did them, and hopefully we'll learn from that. The degree, um, how how in how included the technical alliances are fascinating to me because there are some that are embedded. Like you look at RCR and Colleg, they're on the same campus and everything. You know what are what are areas you work together with the Hendrick guys, and what are areas that are that are off limits? How you know kind of the the nature of that bound. So everyone's, everyone's alliances are probably different. Yeah. And I've been in the sport long enough that I've been on both sides. I've been on teams that were, if you call it the mothership that are feeding information. I've been now that I'm on a team that you're, you're looking for every bit of information you can get. 
There's also alliances with your OEMs, right? There are what we call key partners. And in the Chevrolet camp, that would be your Hendrick, uh, Childress, and Trackhouse. And then there's non-key partners. For the longest time in this industry, you could support yourself by go like if you decided you needed wind tunnel time, I I could spend the money and I could take my team and my car and we could go to the wind tunnel and I, and I could make my car better or I could at least catalog my car where it is. Those days are no longer here. So when NASCAR allows an OEM to go to the wind tunnel, it's up to the OEM who they decide gets that data. We are not one of those teams that receive that data. So we are, our hands are almost tied twice as tight now because I can't go help myself. I have to rely on someone else to give me the information I need to be better. So you end up trying to sign an alliance with a, with a team that maybe has that information, but then their hands are tied, right? Because they are a key partner. They cannot just, they can't just hand us the book. They're not allowed, you know, because that breaks the key partner alliances. So Hendrick helps us. We can use their seven posts. Um, we can use some of their DIL stuff and they can give us some guidance. We buy parts from them. We don't really have like an open book. Like I don't, I don't really get to see their setups. Um, they, they do, they do give us some help and it's everything they give us, man, is appreciated. Uh, just being a crew chief, man, if I could get more, I would ask for more. <laughs> and I probably sometimes ask for more than I'm supposed to, but that's, that's just the nature of the beast, right? I would, I'd, I'd steal information from my mom if I could, if it made my car faster. So. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> that's definitely a racer right there. That's a racer right there. Um, you know, in, in, in kind of tying that together, I got a couple of thoughts here, but, um, you got to be part of the Phoenix test, uh, back in January yeah. that, that NASCAR kind of proposed and went through garage 56 arrow pieces. They had three or four arrow packages. And I, I feel like the group that was there kind of came together at the end of day one and said, Hey, let's, let's try a different package. And, and you tried some things differently on, on the second day. Um, one, you know, what, what were your takeaways from that test? And then two, I want to build off of that Alliance piece that we've talked about that, how much does, you know, when you go to that test, because I had callers asking me this on the radio, Hendrick didn't go to that test. How much support do you get out of Hendrick because you're there and they would like to see your data? And, and how much of your data do they get back on that on that alliance? Yeah, so the Phoenix test, obviously, um, and we ran through a couple, couple different packages. And I think what the drivers, you know, drivers are ultimately always looking for something that puts it back in their hands. If you ask, 36 drivers on the field next Sunday that if you gave the car less downforce and put it in the driver's hands, every one of them are going to tell you that's what they want because they feel they'll, they'll, they'll beat the other 35 drivers. So I think that's what NASCAR was trying to work on. I know, I know that's what the drivers were trying to get them to do. And one of the ways they were do it was able to just ditch the rear spoiler basically and give the driver the feel that they added horsepower and it just just makes it harder to drive. Doesn't mean that our our car was better, but Ricky Ricky actually liked that feel, and and, and we were we were decently competitive in in those runs. Uh, when they the last twenty laps of that run, they didn't allow you to shift. He thought that was a that was the wrong way to go. He they they like to keep the engine spooled up, and I think I think NASCAR settled on that package and said that we'll get to shift at Phoenix, and I think that's a good thing. Yeah, so Hendricks did not go to the Phoenix test, um, but they knew we were going. 
and they, you know, they offered some assistance with some data and they sent a few engineers with us and gave us, gave us some test, test plans, uh, ideas they would like to see ran through. And that, that was, that, that was the start of our relationship within this year. And that, that helped like, right. We got some answers for them. We got some answers for ourselves and it showed them that even though we're a small team and a single car team that we can we can be we can be more than just someone getting parts and pieces from them we can we can actually be an alliance where it, it might benefit them some too nice yeah that's good so as we go forward on friday afternoon a 50 minute test session there um just kind of getting your mind around a 50 minute test session we haven't had or we don't hardly have them and then and then how do you guys approach that and is there continued discussion with hendrick as you look at this test session how does that play out well there really won't be like as of as of today there there's not a hey you guys go do this we'll go do that we'll be able to talk um with some of them after after practice, especially if we was to hit on something or they were to hit on something, um, I think there will be. Obviously, with it being a 50-minute practice, we put a big F. I would say Phoenix. Phoenix was the one that we kind of circled because that was one of Ricky's worst races last year. He just he just really struggled at both Phoenix races. And uh, besides going to the test, we've probably spent the most now – when they change the packages, all your DIL time that you've worked all winter on kind of almost goes out the window. It gives you some trends, yeah. some things you can lean on, but we've, we've been back in and they'll be, I think they're going in again tomorrow. We have a DIL session uh, at one o'clock. So they'll, they'll, they'll tune on it some more with this package, but it, this is one that this is a big one for us. This, we, we feel like we ran we, where we should at Fontana we missed it at Vegas, but we kind of have an understanding why. But Phoenix is the one that means the most to us because the tracks, Phoenix, Gateways, Loudons are the places Ricky really struggled. And he's really struggling to get the feel in the front end that he wants with this tire and this car from what he had maybe a couple of years ago. A lot of people don't know it. Ricky Ricky was a phenomenal short track driver, and that's where we made our bread and butter. I mean, we, we won a bunch of mile and a half, but... ORPs, Iowa's, uh, those tracks, Ricky, Ricky really would kill the guys at those tracks. I remember ORP one year, I think we led 297 laps of a race, and uh he's really good on short tracks, and it's really been frustrating for him not not to be able to to do that in the last year or so. So we're really working hard on Phoenix. Yeah. Go ahead. Final final uh thought process for you as we look at this. Your relationship with Ricky. Um, I was sharing with Todd uh, years and years ago. I was doing a program on Sirius NASCAR radio. We went over to Roush Fenway Racing. We walk into the gift shop because that's where we're doing the radio show. And Ricky Stenhouse Jr. is working the gift shop. He had got yeah. done work in the fab shop. Uh, Ricky, yeah, wrecked yeah. A, Ricky wrecked a lot of stuff. And the Jack Roush method was if you're going to wreck it, you're going to repair it. Yeah. You were in a lot of those meetings with a young Ricky Stenhouse Jr. And can you describe what you saw then that has built this relationship you have with him? Because my understanding in those meetings, it was at times, yay or nay, we're going to keep working with this kid. And you were always in the yay camp. What was there about Ricky that you saw early? Yeah, Ricky's dedication to the sport to get better has never been questioned. And it's always been 
we're trying to we would always try and slow him down man you, you never had to worry about ricky stand on the gas and yeah er, early in his career 2009 to 10 he, re- he wrecked a lot of stuff and uh so one of the ways they fixed that was they put him in the fab shop and he would cut up not just his wreck race cars he would cut up mats and carls and whoever else wrecked them and and he worked i mean he he was there at 6 30 in the morning he clocked out for lunch and came back at the end of the day but i think his perseverance to you know that that was not that was more humiliating and that i think that's what they try and do right they try and try and show you man you're you're gonna have to go through some of these things if you're gonna do what you do but i think him not it could have been easily he could just walked away and, and said maybe this isn't for me but he was willing to take whatever jack threw at him he was willing to put in the effort and i, I go back to iowa in 2010 I think, yeah, 2010, he wrecked a car in practice. He wrecked a second car in qualifying, and we had to pull out Carl Edwards' backup car and race that thing in the race. And he actually, he drove the wheels off, and I think we finished ninth. I think we finished ahead of Carl. Um, But to go back to Iowa the following year and win there, I think that those were the type of days that that just showed me what this this kid had. And I've watched it over the last couple of years. I've, I've, I've watched him struggle, and it's hard to watch your best friend struggle. And uh, it just it just means a lot to me to be back working with him, and and um, hopefully we can we can make this work. No doubt, good stuff, really, really good, good stuff, Mike. We always appreciate the time. Always good to catch up with you at the racetrack. And uh, next time we have you on, we'll talk sprint car racing. How about that? We'll do that because I know awesome. that's a shared passion you and I have. Yeah, awesome. I appreciate it. And, uh, thank you guys, and and have a great day. You got it. There we go. Mike Kelly joining us from uh, the West Coast, uh, winner of the Daytona 500. Stay with us. More crew call coming up in just a moment. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.com. .edu slash podcast. Welcome back. It is Crew Call. So glad you've joined us. Todd Gordon and Steve Post. And boy, a lot of depth there with Mike Kelly. Congratulations. You win the Daytona 500 and 20% of your fleet is gone now. Yeah. I hadn't thought about it from the single car perspective. Man, that, that's a huge challenge that they're overcoming. Yeah. When you lose one of five, that's different than losing <laughs> one of 10 when you're a two-car team. Or one of fifteen when you're a three car team, uh, yeah, it's it's it. But you know, like he said, you'll take that to, oh, to bring that trophy home. You'll take the pain that comes later. But uh, definitely had a change on on how they handle this West Coast and and to see this Atlanta. It, I wondered about that. You know yeah. how that was going to affect Atlanta coming up. Uh, 
because we're at Phoenix this weekend and then back to Atlanta. So that exactly. he's got a brand new car going to Atlanta. Brand new car going to Atlanta, you know? Well, there's a lot of them that'll have brand new cars, yeah, but, this is true. but but wadding them up or leaving it at a museum in Daytona, there's a big difference. And, and, and bringing a wrecked car home, there's transaxles, there's spindles, yeah. there's there's parts off of that. He, this is a whole brand new car. Everything's new. So uh, a challenge for those guys and, and logistically had to have an impact on the West Coast swing. Great. But, uh, you know, it's, I, I love the passion and the loyalty that Mike and, and yeah. Ricky have together. Uh, I think a lot of special things can come from it. Really? I do too. I love it as well. So uh, Phoenix practice Friday afternoon, yeah. qualifying on Saturday, Cup Series. We got Xfinity Series. We even got some ARCA cars out there. going to be a fun weekend out there at Phoenix. What are you going to be keeping an eye on as they roll up, specifically for a practice session, which yeah. we don't have that often? Well, it'd be interesting to see how how how, how different these things drive. It's right. NASCAR's published, it's about a 30% reduction in downforce. And uh, I was talking to Eric, Eric Jacuzzi, the, the head aerodynamicist mm-hmm. over there. He said at 200 miles an hour, the amount of drag they've cut off, this would be like adding 50 horsepower. So, so they're talking about yeah. wanting to put it up where the drivers feel it under the foot. The tires aren't going to be stuck to the ground and, and, and the drag isn't on the car anymore. So uh, slower mid corner, but the same speed at corner entry. It, it, you'll be using brakes and dancing around. It's going to be fun to watch how... All these teams adapt to a different aero package. It is going to be awesome, that's for sure. Motor Racing Network will be there all weekend long. We start at 6.30 Eastern time on Friday with that NASCAR Cup Series practice session. 8 o'clock on Friday evening Eastern time, the General Tire 150 Arkham Menard Series race. Saturday, 1.30 in the afternoon, again, East Coast time. Cup Series qualifying, 4 o'clock in the afternoon, the United Reynolds 200 NASCAR Xfinity Series race. And on Sunday, 2.30 Eastern time, the United Reynolds Work United 500 for the NASCAR Cup Series. It is going to be awesome, that's for sure. And we get Todd Gordon back again. So yeah. looking forward to it. Yeah, I'll be out there for the. I'll be out there for all of it. So we'll uh, we'll see where all that goes. It really cool to get back in the environment and and see NASCAR and the teams working together and coming out with a new aero package yep. here to to try to. Our short track racing, I thought, was good last year. They're just trying to make it a little better. A little bit better. No doubt about it. We'll see what happens. Again, Motor Racing Network, all weekend long from Phoenix. Motor Racing Network, all kinds of podcasts and great shows. You can go on MRN.com and find all of that. We appreciate Mike Kelly joining us from over at JTG Darty Racing. He's Todd Gordon. I'm Steve Post. More important than all of that, though, thank you for joining us here on Crew Call.